Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Catch Kate podcast. Today, we are continuing with our series of interviews, and we have a lovely lady on today, also known as Sasha, and she knows loads of bits and bobs about plants and herbs, and she's here today to share her story uh, with her connection to nature. So, Sasha, would you like to introduce yourself and the kind of work that you've done? with plants yes definitely uh case thank you so much it's a really really nice to be asked to uh share space and have a chat with you today um it feels like a real honor and it's definitely uh exciting so i look forward to the conversation ahead um yeah my name is sasha as kate has already said and i have been working with herbs for a number of years um i began um doing introduction workshops uh under Nikki Jarrell in Coachford and then after that kind of got bitten by the by the bug and uh went into a two-year apprenticeship uh under her in the plant medicine which is now known as the plant medicine school so um since then I've just been dabbling in and out and in the last couple of years started my own small herbal tea company um and small batch like products, balms and tinctures and things like that. And I've been dab- dabbling in out of a couple of farmers markets, pop-ups and things. So yeah, there's a lot going on, but um, yeah, the, the herb life is a continuous journey. It's not just when you can put a full stop at the end of. Yes. And for anybody out there who's listening, who would love to like, get knowledge on herbs, do you think somebody would need to do like a full-on course or could they learn like on different day trips or you know if they took out booklets about herbs could they go out into nature and look how would you advise that um it depends on the person I mean I like I like learning and I'm a very visual person so that's the one thing I will say about training under under Nikki was that I mean, I could sit in a classroom and maybe hear all about the plants, all their components, all the science and what they do and how they should look. But I could stand outside of my garden then and feel a bit overwhelmed by not knowing what any of those things are. So I find with Nikki, her approach was we'd enter her beautiful home, we would make herbal tea, we'd sit down, we'd all gather and we're sitting just in this amazing open space living room which is an old restored church that used to be in Coachford loads of books loads of plants and it was very much a comfortable casual setting sitting on armchairs and couches and she spoke so she's just so connected and has this approach of so much knowledge from so much experience that I find that's what helped me learn but a lot of the time was spent outside in nature with the plants taking time to sit down, pick one, sit down with it for a while, drink your tea or have a conversation with it. So it really does depend. I mean, I love that kind of learning where there's a mix of both, but there's this real element of kind of shamanism that kind of comes into it, real intuitive, like herbal medicine and not just we take it, we we figure out what it does, we put it in a capsule, we put it in a bottle and take it there's so much more like whole wholeness to learning about it but people can 
there's some incredible books out there um, that people can get. And I really just think, like anything, figure things out like slowly. But I mean, it's very easy to say, you like pick up a book, read it, want to run out and find the thing and grab it and eat it. There has to be an element of kind of slowness with it as well. Really know it well enough before just going out and harvesting a load of, you know, plants and bringing them in and and using them. There has to be this honor system with with nature and learning about it as well, for sure. But I would always recommend get books, start slowly, familiarize yourself and find a day workshop. You know, you don't have to go and do a four-year degree because you fell in love with some plants and spent four years, you know, in, in a classroom-based setting. Find people who are interested in them, start conversing about it, start sharing knowledge with them and what they know, and then maybe go and do a day workshop where it's a bit of foraging or herbal medicine making for natural cleaning products or skincare products. And like dip your toes in and find out that you really do like it and that's the kind of style that you like learning from yeah wow some really good tips there and you mentioned about the course and so surprisingly that I started reading her book only a few weeks ago (laughs) um so the plant medicine path I think was the name of the book um so that's the name of the course now as well right um yeah so it is she's got the the herbal apprenticeship program which runs for about two years which from that you can actually go and do your full training with her to be a fully qualified accredited herbalist as well so that's something that I'm working towards you know finishing and completing within the next year or so Um, but she also does pop-up workshops so I started doing the with her doing a six-week course, which was an introduction to herbalism. And that ran for six weeks, for two hours, once a week. And I was just blown away by the knowledge I got from that. I mean, start at the beginning of it, you were given all these baby herbs to take home and take care of and plant in your own garden to start you on your journey. And that led, you know, you got all the knowledge of what they were, what they did, and how you could work with them to create things that you needed. So it was really this base package of here's your little like family of plants, go home, sit with them and start to figure out who they are and how you can connect with them. And that was, you know, leading to making tea with them, making oils and creams and figuring out their different ways because they all don't like to work in the same way. Like they might all be good for putting in a cream or they might all be good for putting in a tea, but for the person, it's a real connective, it's it's a connective thing as well. So what works for one doesn't work for everybody. So this little journey of dabbling in making tea with them every evening, you kind of, you get like, you base the relationship on them, you start to deepen that relationship with them the more, time you spend with them and the more of your energy you're mixing in with theirs the more they kind of uh, start to teach you that bit further Mm. and I find it like amazing you know even the title of the book the plant medicine you know really signifying that our medicine is there in the plants it's not in the shop or in the farms it's it's actually all around us um and yeah like have you found in the past 
if there was any ailments um you've obviously found plants to be useful like that the medicine is there that's what you that's where you would reach to yeah um you you mentioned a good thing there that things aren't just in bottles and mentioned like in from pharmacies but the word pharmacy has the word farm in it like i know we spell it with ph but there's actually a really good book called nature's pharmacy as well yeah. and it's all about you can grow your own pharmacy outside like i mean medicine is food but nature has so much medicine there for us in loads of other forms as well um nikki's book that you're speaking of has two other volumes as well conversations with plants and deepening the medicine um so there's a lot to be soaked up from those from those books and different things you can do but in terms of plants that I have come across and worked with that is a, a very loaded question um I have some very uh, <laughs> I have some very bi for anybody that knows me will know that I have some very biased favorites um that I go to or recommend for everything to the point that some people will say ask Sasha what she think would work for that now and we all know what she's gonna say I am a big um, fan of nettles. Um, they would be what I would call my my plant ally. Um, anything I do in nature, they're kind of they're probably my what I would call my first best friend in the plant world. Something that I really connected with that I almost couldn't like. And you could say that nettles are everywhere, so obviously you can't avoid seeing them. But when you start listening and start focusing on the areas where they're growing and the things that they do, it's pretty incredible. I mean, they, they take up spaces where nothing has been growing. They put themselves in, all, in between all of these things. Um, they help put nitrogen back into the soil. They help regenerate areas of the land, let's say that were once maybe no good or that nothing was growing and you think oh god this is a big pile of nettles it's actually not it's it's an incredible system within itself regenerating the land and I found the more I kind of observed and the more I worked with nettles so I spent lots of days I put myself on this like um let's say not a cleanse but kind of was where I just did nothing but drink like pints of nettle for like a consistent number of days to really just connect and think and do nothing but connect with nettles. And not long after, I ended up just like free writing like a little piece that I would say somewhere down the line would be used like as part of a blog, but all about my conversation or my day hanging out with, with the nettles, you know? And it was like, I think I titled it, um, in the silence of the sting because Ooh, wow. <laughs> that is wow I'm I'm intrigued I want to read this <laughs> yeah it was just it was it was incredible because it's just like sitting there out in nature like just looking around I just started to write um but it was it was this and um, even in childhood everyone remembers the nettle you get stung by a nettle you look for you look for it's it's friend like the nearby dock leaf who becomes the hero and you your saliva and the dock leaf all have this you know this great moment of okay everything is fine now but I find that 
nettles are massively connected for me, like with mindfulness. Um, we see them everywhere. We take note that they're there. And I find if I'm walking through the garden and I'm barefoot, I'm reminded to kind of be aware that I'm grounded. I'm in my feet. I'm in my body, but to observe around me because I could easily get stung by nettle. I could easily stand on it. But if it does happen, it's kind of not like the classic, oh, crap, the nettle has stung me. It's more the nettle has stung me to remind me that I wasn't really being, I wasn't paying attention. You know, like they're sharing the space as well. And that's where I felt like that. It, that's a lot of the thing is starting to teach me about my boundaries, that it's there as a protector, but it's there, like it offers a sting. But the sting is there as a reminder that maybe I'm not paying attention or I've lost my focus or I've lost my weight a little bit. So it started to kind of bring all of that up to me on boundary protecting and protecting other plants and that we can, I mean, you can eat nettles and there's a specific way of folding them down and putting them straight into your mouth. I mean, they're only, all their hairs are underneath, so you can't pick it by the top of the leaf and you can hold it by the stem. So it has all these ways that you can actually connect and become close with it. And it can be just really defensive, like like we can be as humans, but putting up barriers. So the nettle does that, nature does that naturally, but they have this deeper, deeper meaning in showing us more than what meets the eye yeah and you see with that protection again like if you have patience and a source of gentleness you learn how to maneuver with that protection and really get to the source of I suppose it's it's um bountiful you know the benefits of it you know getting to the the source of it you know you just have to weave in there you know um and you're so right when you say about it, like how it fills up the spaces where, you know, there's bare soil or whatever, it will just grow. And maybe, maybe you've experienced already, but if you drink that or eat that, perhaps in our body where there's parts that are, you know, untruth or unlove, maybe it goes and fills those parts up, you know, and healing. Um, would you find that as well? Could you repeat that? I lost you for a second, Kate. Um, so with the nettle growing in the wild spaces, say if there's bare soil, um, you know, the way it fills yeah. up that soil with with its abundance. So like if we are to drink it or eat it, perhaps those parts of us where there's little voids or little untruths or parts of unlove, perhaps it can go there and fill those parts as well with its benefits, you know? Um, yeah, definitely. It is very much, it's more than a physical thing. Um, it's definitely an energetic thing it's emotional I mean all of the plants have that in them as well they all we all like all the organs of the body deal with different emotions and store different emotions so like that nettles are really good for assisting the adrenals um, so I like the way the world is sped up at the moment lots of people are exhausted quicker low energy I mean a lot of that can be down to adrenal fatigue because we're constantly running on adrenaline we're constantly to get here to get there to do the next thing to just run 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 to kind of get like sucked in by by the rat race you know unfortunately so i think coming back nettle tea drinking it does kind of nourish and soothe our adrenals and really calms down the body back to bring it back into itself 
you know, and I think once we're settled in that moment, we can hear and understand things a lot better that amongst the calm, we don't have to keep running. You know, there is time where we can pick and choose to get the things we want done and feel what's honouring more truth, truthful and more honouring to ourselves by taking a step back. And I think that, again, the plant medicine path, the conversations with plants, the deepening the medicine, those words like conversation, deepening, uh, plant medicine path, they're all things that can be used, you know, throughout life for everything. Taking time to talk about stuff, going into it on a deeper level, and then, you know, using it on your path. Yeah. And for anybody who would love to try nettle tea and is in Ireland, um, would you, uh, or what, whatever way you prepare it, would you have any tip on how to drink this beautiful concoction? <laughs> like how much nettle they need and how much water yeah um definitely um so again like young spring nettles so when they first come out young baby shoots are actually great for soups that's kind of the best format steep them all off simmer them down strain it off and add you can use your hand mixer or whatever to blend it up and add other veggies and things in there but for the nettle tea um, as long as it's not gone to seed, it wouldn't really matter. But obviously, when the nettles are going to seed, then the energy is changing. So it's putting out seed and its energy is going more kind of back down into the ground to reserve itself. So it's kind of as it comes out with the young shoots, which have the most potency at the beginning of the year in spring. Um, they kind of come out as part of the kind of, let's say, the the triscal of uh, early plants, such as your dandelion, your cleavers and your nettle. They all come out at the beginning of the year and that's why we see all the cattle and everyone grazes on them because they start to um, reopen our digestive system after the winter. So we slow down so much in the winter that these are the first kind of herbs, uh, wild herbs that we see come out, start to set our digestive system back up and tell us that, okay, we're kind of out of the, the dark night of the soul. We've moved out of winter. We're coming back into spring. The energy is changing, and so we need to start preparing our system for that again. So nettle being one of those, um, I would recommend to either use young shoots or somewhere in the middle, as long as it's not gone to seed, as I said. Um, what you know, like what I would call a handful, and you'll know by the size, depending on the size of your cup, your bowl, whatever it is you like to, to drink from, um, less is more. So I would always, like for any type of foraging, leave some for nature. Just because we have loads of nettle doesn't mean we need to go out and hack it all back and take it all and keep it for ourselves. You should, like, it's, again, like an honour system, we should only take what we need and what we're going to use. So why me or anybody harvesting a load of nettles, bringing it inside and using three nettles off a stem and then throwing the rest into the compost pile? I mean, great, the compost will love that, but why not? have left them there so i would say like boil your kettle or boil your water on the hob and and if somebody doesn't want to be tasting leaves every couple of minutes that you're eating or use a, a tea strainer if you like as well um and i would totally recommend two to three cups a day for for most people starting off super wow um yeah i feel like i can take loads of notes about this <laughs> um amazing and did you find like for you in nature like is this something you've had since childhood like were you kind of wandering about there looking at herbs or is it something that's grown in your life 
passed on? I, that's a great question because um, I think, well, I say I speak for myself, but I always imagine that every, there's a lot of young girls who are, are like, uh, claim to be these little witches. When they're younger, I think every, there's, I definitely have memories of sitting in my back garden making potions by picking up pieces of the grass and leaves and flowers and mud and putting it all in a glass jar and stirring it up and I was making potions. That's, you know, that's that was my mission that day and that's what I was doing with other friends of mine. But I didn't, like, I love the outdoors, but a lot of my childhood, my outdoors was actually spent in sports, um, funnily enough. So this kind of, you know, the, the nature path definitely developed a lot later in my life. I'd say maybe it started to blossom that bit more when I when I met Paul because he was such a plants man. And I was like, oh, okay, that's different. You know, a little bit like, oh, okay, I don't know anything about plants, but sure. And started to kind of learn a little more from him and ended up at Nikki's house because his class group were going um, <laughs> on a trip to see her house. And a girl in his class was like, you'd love her. And I was like, really? She's like, you should come. So I basically convinced well she convinced uh, their lecturer to leave me come and he was kind of like oh, sh- sure and when I first <laughs> so I basically snuck on a on a UCC um trip and uh well I was allowed but I still made myself uh, known to be there and be in the space so I went to see uh, the beautiful Joy Larkham's house and her gardens and then on to Nikki's after and when I took on the six-week course after that, Nikki was like, oh, and some people are familiar with plants, others brand new, um, you know, but like some people have studied it for a while. I know, Sasha, you'd have a background, you know, to the the Masters in Organic Horticulture and things like that. And I was like, oh, oh no, I actually, I don't have any background. I'm, I'm brand new. I just actually, <laughs> I actually just, uh, I, I, I bummed my way onto that trip. And she was like, oh, really? I was like, yeah, I, I just wanted to see your setup and I wanted to be here. I was like, and now I am, so. <laughs> Maybe I yeah, can do that so. next time. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Definitely. So, yeah, and, yeah, that's, that's how it started. So it was definitely much, much later. And I think that end, like, the day I went on that trip, as I said I, briefly, I think early before we started, was that feeling like the energy in her garden as soon as you walk through the gates was just so potent and I'd never kind of felt that way before uh, but something was just brewing in me and I like spent the day in all walking around that place and when we left immediately it was like okay how do I how do I do this where do I start how do I get back there and she was doing a six-week introductory herbalism. was like great that's what I'll do and I started that and after that I was like okay what's the next how can I spend more time here you know and I went on so to the, the two, two year hour, you know the two hour course one was that like you'd go up to her house for two hours is it yeah so that one when I was doing it it might have changed now since but when I was doing it a few years back it was two hours every Tuesday evening so it was like seven thirty to nine thirty, mm-hmm. and it was for six weeks and like the amount of knowledge the people you met, the amount of knowledge and the plants and the dry herbs and the information that was given to you over the course of six weeks was like 
almost a, like a partial lifetime's worth. Mm. I was so blown away by just what she wants people to have. And it's not about expenses and it's not about money and it's not about hoarding her knowledge. It's about empowering people to be able to share the knowledge and like this real sense of community and keep this plant community alive like forever. So the more people that are doing it, the more people are just constantly like replenishing the well, you know, it's incredible. Yeah, it's definitely being called like for more knowledge and people wanting to grow more. And like the amount of people now I've come into the farm and they just come in and they're like, I want to do this. I want to. And even young kids being like, I want to be like you. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, geez, it's amazing. Like, you know, and the other day I picked the first um, bunch of carrots, like everything is just flourishing now. And I was just like, like, even though I'm doing it all the time, I'm still like blown away. And I was just like, oh, my God oh my god like I can't believe I have an actual shop in the ground I have a shop in the ground oh my god like and like the people were laughing at me like but it was actually the first carrots I picked and I was like oh, look like look the size is up you know and I'm still in awe even though like I'm seeing it all the time like I'm still like so surprised that a carrot comes out of the seed you know this yeah totally. seed, and I'm just like no way it has all these leaves and <laughs> it's just yeah Amazing, isn't it's it? The time, and they're the tiniest of seeds as well, the carrot seeds. You'd lose them and good luck with finding them. And then you put them in and it's like a family of carrots growing out of the ground with their real springy, that's they feel it's like the real springy, like the full of character, this real springy hair about them. And then you take them out like this really long, strong body and this luminous colour that they're just like, hey, here we are, we're carrots. <laughs> like, yeah, really proud of themselves. But it's incredible. And I, I love that you... I love that you said that and I, I love that you have that you know that's one thing that people if they're like conventional farming or doing anything like that for years they kind of fall out of love with it that it's like oh but sure they're just carrots you put them in the ground they grow what's so great about it like all vegetables have their characters so like actually would you have any kind of favorite veggies or like any veggies that like you know because that's inspiring you know to hear a new take on a carrot like as in do you have veggies there that you're just like you just find a connection with them or like they've got character you know what's your kind of thing on that um can you repeat a little bit of that the latter half you I lost you there Kate sorry so any vegetables like is there any vegetables that you have like kind of um a connection with where they may have like you know a funny character or like you know as you say about the carrot being so vibrant and is there any vegetables you have an eye for Ooh, that's a great question I wonder do you know what I really like that's something that's one maybe I haven't really thought a lot about yeah. even though I'm surrounded by them every so often but if I have to stop to think about it now I think I'm most fascinated by the climbers like the beans cobras and things like that because when you look at them and I just remember harvesting quite a quite a few of them as well with all at the farm he was at before and you go in and it's like a jungle really quickly loads of leaves and you think it's more leaf than there is actually abundance of crop there and you kind of have to search through every tiny leaf and you think when you've done one row you move on to the next but you go back and to the opposite side of the trellis and you're like 
there's another 500. <laughs> there's another 500 just dangling there, kind of swaying around, like almost like playing hide and seek in amongst their, you know, their climbing frames. And yeah, I just used to love doing that. We'd be doing it really early in the morning. And I don't know, it was just a great way to start your day. There could be four or five of us to go down and do a massive harvest to bring to the farmer's market. And it was just, yeah, they were ones that I always really had a, had fun doing. Yeah, definitely so the beans. They're always hiding, aren't they? You're like, oh, I didn't even see those beans. And you walk two meters away and you're like, oh, there's beans there again. You're like, they come back again. Yeah, you, yeah, you move to one side and you think you've, you know, you've gone through all the leaves and you go down close to the ground and there's loads and they are just, I don't know, they're just like little hammocks. It's like these little beings in their little hammocks. Yeah. in amongst the leaves just chilling out and happy to be there and be collected whenever you see them <laughs> yeah and then you have like you know the collies and the broccolis and they kind of like they just sit there like you know and they're just like hello I'm so beautiful and flowered you know and they just kind of wait for you to come you know <laughs> they do they it's like they're almost um born like as uh adults like they go in and they go to the developmental stage but then they become mature very quickly and they just yeah. sit there, as you said, and there's could be like sitting in the waiting room somewhere, just waiting for you to come along and admire or like pick them up and use them. But they're kind of um I get a like a vibe of uh especially from the colleagues sometimes of this like um older generation energy. So they remind me of like older ladies, you know, sometimes who are just very particular and so well groomed and well looked after that everything is just, I don't know, kind of like flowing from them they're so set and know who they are and so well developed that the cauliflowers kind of have that uh, energetic for me as well that when you see them they're just they could be like older ladies just sitting there watching the world go by quite happy and uh you know they know who they are and what they're doing yeah it's actually a great mindfulness activity isn't it like to take a total new look on our vegetables you know like when I go back now and do weeds and stuff, I'll be looking at them and I'll be like, oh, hello, granny. Oh, hello. <laughs> you know, like it's great little activity, you know, to really even like rewire our brains a bit to see things differently, you know. Um, yeah. Even the beetroots, like I find the beetroots, like the color on them. I'm just like, wow, like look how, look how dark you are. So potent, isn't it? Yeah, my God, it's beautiful. The color is so gorgeous. There is, I think there's one, is it Bull's Blood is actually the name of the, the variety of one of them, because mm. Bull's Blood, and like it is like I cut into it and it is just this deep oozing colour out of the, the beetroot. Check them out, Bull's Blood. Wow. Yeah, when yeah. I was travelling actually in Chile, Argentina, and I did the border crossing, there was, a, there was a real, like a lot of legal stuff about um crossing the border with food and there was one guy he had been on the road for a couple of years and he had loads of vegetables and seeds in his bag and we were like oh you you can't take them over the border like so then he just pulls all these seeds out puts them in his shoes puts his feet back in and then he gets out a couple of beaters and just starts munching them I'll never forget it we were like me and a lot of Argentinians and Chileans we were on the floor laughing because I never saw someone bite that hard into a beetroot and it was like a a lovely soft apple for him you know I was just like oh my god how is he yeah. chewing it he's chewing it like so like oh I don't know god. he was just he just didn't want to waste it he just thought his love for beetroot it was it was like beetroot or border and 
yeah. was choosing the beat was obviously yeah. before getting there because I've only had them wow. cooked, really I think maybe I've had them like shredded raw but mostly cooked yeah yeah, yeah of course yeah that'd be most common way I think that we would get them here like or like prepare them here is that we would grate them into salads and things like that yeah raw but or juice them yeah and for you then what would you say would fascinate you most about nature oh what fascinates me most about nature god everything that might seem like a very i like obvious answer but or a very vague one depending on how you look at it but it's just constantly changing there is no there's no fixed nature even though you can, you can put certain things in the ground and you can grow certain things at the same time every year. And you could say that's an element of fixed nature, but it's, I mean, we could get a storm in the middle of it, you know, and it changes the entire, change all of the ground, it will change the sea, it will break parts of the wall, tear away cliffs. Yeah. So for me, I think the, like the, the most incredible thing about nature is its ability to be able to change and adapt with change rather than um, kind of fall apart from it. Yeah. So resilient. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I like how strong something, this one thing, but that this one thing that, that's actually multiple things. Nature is made up of so much, including ourselves. Mm. And it just as you say, resilience, it has this really strong sense of change or be changed. And us as humans, maybe we don't really like change an awful lot no. because it makes us uncomfortable and nature kind of forces that upon us as well. And I think there, this is, again, why we come back to nature being one of our greatest teachers, I feel, like by observing and getting to know it better puts us into a different cycle and change isn't so scary for us then because we can see that we move things and the sea does it, the sea throws up stuff every so often from the underneath carry ships way along the, the ground of the river that we never even knew were there and throw it up somewhere else because just constantly recycling, replenishing itself because it knows that that is the most, that is the best way, best use of its energy is by not getting so stuck, so bogged down and so stagnant. I mean, it's the, if you were to drink a glass of water and leave it there for a few days and come back and drink, you're kind of like, uh, I don't know, should I drink that rather than a fresh one? So you wouldn't. Why Why would you change your glass of water and not kind of change things about yourself or your life, you know, if if they're not moving? So I think mm. it's, a, it's a big question and a lot to be learned from. Uh, but yeah. that nature definitely is something we need to learn more about and change changing and adapting with it is something yeah that is the biggest thing that I like about nature you see in nature as well when she is changing like with the weather or the seasons like she appears so effortless in that change you know whereas for humans it's we get so resistant and resilient against the change we're just like no 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 oh my god oh my god I don't want to but it's inevitable like you know we have to flow and adapt and move and transition and we put up so much resistance, don't we? Yeah. But I don't know, does she do that? Like, I mean, you know, like she looks so effortless doing it. 
she she does look effortless doing it and that's I wonder is there an element of maybe it's not as effortless it looks effortless to us because maybe we can't see the deeper extent yeah and sometimes like I think there's unnecessary and necessary like purging that she does so and based on us and other things going on in the entire world like the impact that we have on her and the impact maybe that when she does things the knock-on effect from one thing that she does let's say out at sea might have a knock-on effect to the land that's nearby and the community that lives there and the plants that grow there so but I don't think I think nature is far more clever than giving credit for and I think it is effortless because she knows that at the time it might impact something be it the ground or as I said the community or the sea or the houses nearby it might impact them in that moment in time but it might impact them to further you know allow them to grow I think that's why you know nature does these things it's to instead of changing us and it's to encourage us to grow and things to move on and think outside the box and don't get so complacent with that this is my house this is my car these are my things and I'm happy here in this one contained area because I mean life is for for living so I don't know why I don't feel like that we should be complacent with anything because like that nature looks effortless you can be happily rowing your boat out at sea and in a second you're not you don't have a boat now and it's all about evolution as well at the end of the game it's reproduction evolution like that's what she does best every year it's reproduction evolution you know it's strongest and most adaptable will move on and you know things that aren't so will you know like pass you know like our life cycle is the same thing things that won't last or aren't maybe strong enough to survive another year will die off you know there's a like a neighbor of mine actually I always remember he says that to me he's like a small farmer he's got a lovely just little garden that he does same every year has it down is abundant and does his thing every year and he's in his 80s and he always says that just about the I think he called the shkahabween and he said it's when the last kind of cold snap it's like the last kind of frost let's say hard frost but the last kind of bitter cold winds that come in late in spring or before spring maybe I'm not too sure now but he just I remember him saying that it will kill off any livestock that won't survive another year and they and he called it the shkahabween and he said that that's like that and I find it similar with us as humans if we're older or we maybe are going through an illness and we won't actually physically survive or be able to you know fight another year with it that nature will just come in and has a way of taking care of it you know to allow the things that will have that more space and that flow and then things change for other people as well yeah definitely there's something far greater looking after us and doing its job without our you know input at all we just have to flow don't we and accept the roller coaster um yeah and would you like to say anything about kind of your business um to put out there to people about your work for the future um if people would like to find you or 
Yeah. Um, so um, currently I'm on Facebook and Instagram and it's Supernatural Positivity. So with T at the end of it, uh, T-E-A instead of the usual T-Y. Um, that's where I'm at at the moment. And I'm currently looking at getting back into Skibbereen Farmer's Market. Um, I am very uh, <laughs> slow um, at uh, promoting my uh, business sometimes. That's uh, something I need to work on. But I'm currently building uh, my website. So I'm hoping to have that up and running uh, in a week or two, which will you'll be able to buy, you know, things from there directly. And then there'll be a, a herbal verbal section, which will be talking about my dealings with plants and conversations and little things that uh, I do with them along the way, uh, workshops and uh, other things that I have in the, in the pipeline. Um, so I will hopefully um, before the end of the summer be putting out some dates on workshops for like little foraging days, little herbal medicine making days um, coming up as well, which is really exciting. So there's definitely a lot more uh, coming up on this real sense of community uh, in the herbal path and beyond. So it's exciting. Yes, and for any folks listening, I met Sasha at a retreat a couple of years ago. I think it was before the first COVID thing. Um, and we had the most amazing workshop where we made teas and tinctures and creams and we got to smell all the different um, oils. And yeah, we had to be careful with the oils. We were smelling them so much. <laughs> um, but it was just an amazing workshop. And like, I still remember it so deeply in my heart because it was very you know the senses were ignited and it was very powerful um yeah and so grateful to have you on the podcast to share your knowledge and yeah if you'd like to yeah if anybody um wants to find Sasha you can find her on Instagram as she said supernatural positivity um and I've also got some of her tea before and it's delicious um yeah so folks, thanks for tuning in this week. If you've liked this episode, please give it a share. And patrons, thank you so much for supporting. If you can support, uh, go on to patreon.com slash catch Kate and help me to continue this work. Thank you for listening. Ciao.